Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap show. If you've been with us for a while, you might recognize that music, and you'll definitely recognize who's on the line tonight. On the line tonight, uh, he's not requiring, he's not waiting five years to get into the hall. It's Will Stacks. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Wu Tang bringing us in. Yeah, Wu brings us in on the first podcast, and Wu will wind up taking us out on the last. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of days since the finals have ended. Uh, we just, you know, not that we were expecting a seven-game series or anything like that, but it just took us a while to get around to recording the final podcast for the season as the finals have gone uh, over uh, maybe quicker than we wanted or expected. So we're going to get into games three and games four. The aftermath of Game 4, lots of drama, uh, LeBron drama, at least on my side of it, and the aftermath of, you know, what's going to happen next in terms of these two teams, in terms of the league, and having, you know, the finals be the same teams four years in a row, and, you know, what kind of shifting is going to happen when LeBron decides on free agency. So let's just jump into Game 3. The Cavs get back to Cleveland, man. Uh, We both predicted they would probably – well, I think I predicted they were actually going to lose that game. Uh, the reasons why we'll talk about later, but, you know, we felt pretty good that we were going to get a good game in Cleveland, and we did get a good game. Cavs come out with great energy to start. Uh, great energy to start. You know, the, the home crowd, the home cooking really put something into the Cavs, and they came out, played some solid ball, um, you know, pretty much through throughout throughout the game even. I, I would say definitely to start, uh, which is what they definitely needed to do, get off to a quality start to get the crowd into the game, keep them in the game. And, and they definitely did that, of course, led by LeBron. Um, he's, uh, you know, a generational talent that uh, continues to amaze on a daily basis. And uh, the alley-oop to himself, definitely a highlight uh, at game three. Yeah, that's got to come up later here <laughs> for me with the alley-oop. Uh, and then everything that needed to happen for them to win that game happened. Uh, they get, you know, shots from Kevin Love, lines up with 20 points. J.R. Smith fighting, lines up with 13. And Rodney Hood, which we ran on that podcast, was like, I hope they're not thinking Rodney Hood is going to be the savior, winds up with 15 points. Well, hey, Rodney Hood had uh, been complaining. You know, he even refused to come into mop-up minutes uh, back in, uh, I believe it was Toronto series or the Boston series. One of them, he didn't want to come in and mop-up minutes, got a lot of flack for that, hadn't been uh, playing at all, was complaining about, I haven't had this many DMPs in my life. And so he gets some playing time, and, hey, he stepped his game up and showed why. Uh, he he should be there and uh, play very, very well offensively and defensively as well. Uh, one of the few players other than LeBron with the ability to create uh, his own shot off the dribble, and uh, he definitely showed he was uh, a great move uh, by Coach Tyron Lue as uh, Rodney Hood stepped his game up. Yeah, it was. I mean, everything was really going right for them. They came out hot, and then, Golden State just starts chipping away a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And, you know, you get to halftime and they're only up by six. And I, was, and I think I texted you, too. I was like, man, they're only up by six and they played really well. It's probably not a good uh, uh, omen for them. And then everything was going right on the other side for them. Steph and Clay couldn't hit the side of a barn. I think they wind up going seven for 27 for only 21 points. 
Yeah, you think uh, up six is a good position, but with Golden State, you know, their patent third-quarter run where they seem to come out of the locker room, you know, on fire um, didn't quite happen uh, as much in this game. But as you mentioned, they did slowly chip away, chip away, where it was definitely, uh, you know, a single-possession game uh, pretty much throughout uh, the, the second half, or at least not, not a big lead. Uh, by Cleveland, but um, Golden State continued to chip away, and uh, down the stretch they got a couple big shots that we'll talk about, and uh, that was uh, that was all they needed to put them over the top. Yeah, it was just you know a, a plus eight quarter for them in the third quarter where they wind up taking a, a deficit from the halftime and going up plus two, and then it was just back and forth, you know, a little bit at a time each team, you know exchanging the lead, going up by two, you know, all the way through. And then we get to what we're going to talk about here for a little bit, uh, the shot. Um, KD well, let's, had say, been... let's, talk about, let's talk about two shots. Yeah, KD hits the true dagger. But let's go even one shot before Steph Curry, who hadn't made a shot, as you just mentioned, all game, finally hit a three late, and that was a big, big shot. Uh, you know, especially the way he shot throughout the game, for him to finally make that one late in the fourth, uh, that was the key shot. But then, of course, uh, Kevin Durant with the absolute dagger uh, from from 30. Uh, <laughs> the absolute killer. Almost the exact same spot he yeah. hit the shot last year. Um, almost the exact same spot, probably even a little deeper than last yeah. year. Uh, but uh, it was definitely uh, reminiscing, uh, not the type the Cleveland fans wanted to do, though. Yeah, uh, KD goes off, gets 43, uh, 15 of uh, 23 shooting, and, yeah, that shot. Uh, in the history of absolute just killer shots, that's going to be up there, especially his reaction after it. Yeah, I think so. It was, uh, it, and you could even feel it in the crowd. You could, you, the crowd, the air was just let out the balloon as he hit the shot. Everybody just kind of sunk, I believe. Uh, that was uh, cheering for the Cavs. Everyone just <sighs> took that deep sigh, like, oh no. And and um, yes, that was uh, definitely the uh, the the dagger. The the sun to the vampire, the the stake to the heart. Any yeah. any cliche you want to use, that was definitely yeah. uh, the shot by KD. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, watching it in real time is just like, oh no! And you know, he essentially ended the series right there. We'll talk about Game Four here momentarily, but essentially the series ended there. You know, the Cavs make a little bit of you know. Uh, you know, it's, that was the end of game three. I mean, that's really pretty much it. Nothing could come from that. They went down at four at that point, and that was pretty much the end. Uh, LeBron's reaction on the bench after the shot was fairly telling. Uh, I think everybody knew that it was over, and the series ends really after game three, which it did last year too. You know, they wind up with the gentleman sweep uh, in the series last year where they wind up getting blown out, I think, in game four and then heading back to Oakland and closing it out. But it didn't have any of that feeling going into game four. It felt like a wrap before it even started. By the way, uh, 17 days, 17 damn days to play four games, sir. 17 yeah, days. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's quite a long time. NBA, ABC, they did their job as far as 
spreading things out to uh, get their money's worth, so to speak, with uh, all of their advertisements and things. But, yeah, definitely not the same feel as a year ago as Cleveland, I believe, again, was emotionally spent, even more so than physically. They played well enough to win game one, obviously, and definitely game three. Uh, they were in both of those games, just could not close them out. You know, even uh, social media, I've seen a couple of posts that, what if they had a Kyrie in those stretch moments in game one and game three, would that have made a difference? Uh, of course it would have made a difference. Um, but on the same note, Cleveland played well enough to win and didn't. And I think physically, yes, they're spent, but even more emotionally, that's even harder to come back from. And, yeah, game four was just a foregone conclusion. Uh, just play the 48, we pretty much knew what was going to happen. Yeah, the game comes out and Golden State comes out on fire. As Steph Curry, who couldn't buy a shot in game three, um, found his shot um, often and early. Uh, so they rush out to, I think, a nine-point lead at the half and then plus 12 in the third quarter with one of those Golden State runs, and now we're up 21 heading into the fourth quarter. But it was over long before that happened. Um, just There was just nothing there, a little bit of energy from LeBron, I think, uh, what he wound up with, 23, uh, something like that. I mean, nothing. It, it was nobody had anything. There was no energy. We'll talk about if they quit here in a little bit. But, yeah, that's. It was basically over from the beginning. Well, credit Golden State, you know, they knew the emotional energy, the physical energy was definitely drained from Cleveland. So when you have your opponent, your enemy down, you want to step on their neck. You want to kick them while they're down. You want to finish them, you know, to just like Mortal Kombat, you know, finishing. That's what they wanted to do. And uh, they definitely came out with that type of fire. They needed to definitely step on their neck and, um, just take all the air out of the Quicken Loans arena. Everybody in the stands, everybody watching at home that was wearing the wine and gold, they knew what was about to happen. Yeah, like I said, the Cavs tried to hang around second half, second quarter. This just became a joke at the end. There were no real, you know, everybody makes a run. There were no real runs there. Um, they tried, and then, you know, it got to the point where, you know, they take out the starters around five minutes or so to go. LeBron makes his way to the bench and kind of left-hand daps everybody on the on the Warriors. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. As he walks off the court, and they get the other starters out, and we have to wind out the clock. 108-85, Golden State, three out of four years, uh, championships. Uh, we'll talk about it there. Um, KD winds up with a triple-double. Steph winds up with 37. Um it's kind of on the aftermath part. Did Steph get robbed out of the MVP? Because it seemed like, you know, say for the game three, he had a fairly solid series all the way through. Yeah, I thought uh, Curry was solid, uh, you know, averaging 27, you know, throughout the series, I think was solid. Yeah, game three definitely struggled. He had 12 in game, uh, in game three. Uh, but on the same note, uh, you know, KD was, uh, was truly the assassin if you will, uh, hitting the big shots when they were there and carrying them when Curry was not uh, Steph Curry-like in game three uh, with those 43 points. So, you know, was Steph robbed? Yeah, people thought, if anything, he didn't get it the first time, he didn't get it the second time. Oh, he's going to get it the third time. So kind of the it's his turn kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And in the NBA's eyes, maybe not. 
uh, Kevin Durant uh, definitely deserved it. Could Curry have deserved it as well? I would say yes, but I still had no problem with KD being MVP. Yeah, so, yeah, they get a chance to celebrate in Cleveland again in their locker room. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny, too. Like, the last, it's come back the last few years here where you get a chance to see the, the locker room celebration. You know, there was a time where, like, oh, we don't want kids seeing, you know, the champagne celebrations and all that, but they, you know, which was a staple for the NBA championships. And I think we all remember, you know, uh, that was the Isaiah Thomas yeah. and his tongue kissing the Larry O'Brien trophy. Uh, you know, so it's it, it glad that they brought it back. I don't have a real problem with it. Do you? No, not at all. I think, uh, you know, you really get to see uh, the, the players really uh, – they've worked so hard, you know, starting in mini camp in October all the way through through June and the many days of practice and the long flights and everything all builds up to this moment and you get to celebrate. Uh, you get to see grown men act like kids again uh, because that's uh, things they, they dream have dreamed about. And if you've experienced it once, you want to continue to experience it as much as possible. And uh, it was, a, you know, it's a, it's a great moment. So, uh, I appreciate seeing them celebrate, you know. That's something, you know, many people, like I said, have dreamed about, you know, being in that celebration. So why not uh, let us in to see what it's like uh, for these uh, gentlemen to celebrate the title? Yeah, it was, it was fun. And, you know, some of the kind of aftermath stuff, too, is coming out of that. Uh, there's a lot of talk that, you know, from the Golden State side that this was a, a, a harder championship to get through whether through injuries, you know, David West hinted that there was something else that happened on that team uh, that nobody knows about. I think his quote was, um, they never got out because we don't have no sucker-ass sucker dudes on this team, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to go out there and snitch about what happened. So, yeah, Golden State, you know, celebratory. Definitely it was fun to see them get that. Uh, but here's the aftermath. All right. Uh, and I'm not sure how much. And I think I texted you when this was going on. I think I did. I stayed up and watched it all. I watched the entire game. And I love the post-game stuff anyway. You know, uh, the ABC stuff uh, with the crew on the floor. But then the outside the crew, you know, uh, with Big Shot, Paul Pierce, and Jalen Rose. You know, you know, they offer an insight that I enjoy. So I'll watch that all the way through before I switch it over to Sports Center to watch, you know, Stephen A. go off and all that kind of stuff. But the post-game news conferences after the championship, LeBron James comes out in a, a soft cast uh, during his press conference. He indicates or talks about how he, uh, after game two or after game one, where uh, J.R. Smith makes the, the bonehead blunder of the year and century, he punches the whiteboard and he says he essentially broke his hand and he played with a broken hand through games two through four. Okay. Uh, it It becomes – like it looks like a built-in excuse as to why they didn't win. How did you perceive LeBron showing up with that soft cast on? No, I, I don't see it like that because uh, he still balled. You know, he still he still played great. You know, so if anything, it uh, would increase his legend to say he played that great uh, with a broken hand. I don't see it as an excuse. I think if he had come out after game one and said, "Man, I punched the board and had." To soft cast then, then people would have used it as an excuse. Oh, this is why you're losing. This is why you're losing. I think, you know, he played it 
to me a way that he should have, you know, that continue to play, don't let it out then, you know, I would even just let it go, period, maybe not said anything. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I compared it similarly to, you know, Tiger Woods in 2008 when he won the U.S. Open. Now the difference is he won on individual sports with a a broken leg uh, in, in, uh, yeah, in 2008 where – uh, you could see there was something wrong. He was hobbling and he was, you know, wincing in pain. So you knew there was some type of injury. But then for him to win and then let out, well, you know, I actually had a, a broken leg, a, a fracture uh, in my leg. So I actually had a broken leg. Uh, and they, yeah. yeah. So that, that increased his legend even more. And then, you know, so I, I don't have a problem with the way it came out. Um, you know, I would have maybe even – I like that he controlled how it came out as opposed mm-hmm. to it getting leaked out. Hey, LeBron had a broken hand, blah, blah, blah. He put it out there. I think, uh, you know, whenever these players have these types of issues, it's always better when they put it out there as opposed to when it's leaked, in my opinion. I, that, that's what I think. Uh, I, I – <sighs> It, this is, seems, and I think this is the reason why some people don't like LeBron um, for this, his non-basketball stuff. You know, there's there's oftentimes a perceived, real or otherwise, there's the perception that he is a drama, drama queen. I, I, I kind of liken it almost to a Ben Roethlisberger type situation where he wants you to know that he was hurt or injured. He'll let you know before he either goes out and plays a great game or has a shitty one, and then it kind of falls back as an excuse. LeBron didn't have any shitty games. It was just, you know, the series was just over after game three. And so he doesn't play great in game four, but I don't don't know that anything would have changed that regardless, hand or not, based on how everything had happened. Like, he could have rode that out to the end and nobody ever had to know about it. To come out during the press conference, the post game, with that soft cast on, like, it just seemed like – like, okay, this is the reason that we lost. It wasn't my fault. I did my part. The rest of these suckers, it was just terrible. But I did everything that I could to try to drag this team, you know, to the finish line or whatever. Because, I mean, if he broke it after game one, like, what, he had, like, a 33 in game two and a triple-double. And then he has that, you know, yeah. And then he has that, um, you know, the dunk off the rim or whatever that he throws to himself in game three. And then game four is was whatever. So it, it just seemed a little. It, it, it just yeah. seemed a little at this time. A little diva ish. Yeah, a little, a little diva ish. I definitely understand your your point, and it, it is well taken. I think. Yeah, he could have, um, it, it, for him to immediately right after the game, yeah. uh, you know, come out with the cast, and then of course going set it up on the podium so everybody could see it and everybody, oh, man, you know, you're going to ask questions, you know. So I think, yeah, definitely some diva-ness, uh, diva-ness in, uh, in that aspect, you know. But he, now, if he had played poorly and come out with that cast, I think that would have been the excuse type of thing. Well, this is why I played poorly, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then I think, Everybody should be hammering LeBron at that point. And say, oh, but but you know, uh, but since he still played well and still played out of his mind, we we'll even say, 
with an injured hand, um, mm. you know, again, I, I don't have a problem with it. You know, again, yeah, he didn't have to say anything at all. He didn't have to wear the cast. Um, I don't think it hurt, um, you know, but it didn't help, but I don't think it hurt either. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, like I said, this ain't a, a legacy type thing. This isn't anything. I mean, losing in the finals is probably something that's going to hurt his legacy more than anything. I don't think the cast or any of that hurt any of that stuff. It's just, I think there was the timing of it. I mean, you know, and it gets into that, you know, people start that comparison thing. You know, when Jordan came out in the flu game and he did this, Kobe, you know, tore his, uh, his Achilles and still went out and hit the free throw. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. It it gets those comparisons and gives people who don't care for LeBron, it gives them that ammunition to shoot holes in his boat on top of the fact that now he's three and nine, what, I guess three and six in the NBA final. Yeah, but I don't think uh, the cast is as bad as Paul Pierce in the wheelchair where he uh, <laughs> yeah. wheeled, you know, and got up from the wheelchair to come out yeah. and come back on the court. So I don't think it's quite that level. But, uh, you know, LeBron, yeah, this, I don't even think it'll be uh, an issue as we look forward. You know, I think people will. Um, I don't even think people will talk about it in the in the history books of LeBron. Yeah. All right. So again, back to the Warriors. Uh, three championships, four years. Uh, are they a modern dynasty? You know, NBA is set up for teams to not do what they're doing for much longer than where they are right now. Um, it, from salary cap issues to luxury tax issues, that dollar-for-dollar tax breaks up these types of things. But when you have a team like Golden State whose owners have extremely deep pockets, you know, it's already talked that KD is going to come back. He'll probably be on the max, if not the super max. They already paid Steph the super max deal last summer. Uh, You know, is this a modern dynasty? They have at least all of their main people wrapped up through next season. Absolutely, absolutely. A dynasty, you know, three out of four years in anything, especially with the same core uh, of people, absolutely is a dynasty. They've definitely proven, um, you know, they are the the team of this decade. They are the team of the new millennium, we could almost say. Uh, they are uh, definitely a dynasty. But as you mentioned, the NBA is kind of, quote, unquote, set up you know, where this won't last. And they probably got one more year in this window before we start to see some some of the pieces start to uh, relocate probably. So they probably got one more year to make it try to get four out of five. And then uh, you'll start to hear uh, Clay Thompson rumors or the Draymond Green, you know, those types of things will come up because, as you mentioned, you know, the salary cap issues, contract issues, uh, there are no more super max contracts to be offered for Golden State, you know, and, you know, Draymond Green is going to be up for uh, to renegotiate after next year. He's definitely not a super max player. Uh, Clay Thompson, he's a great player, but he's not a super max player either. So, you know, there's going to be some changes made. You know, you, you will probably see Curry and Durant, uh, of course, be around for, for years and years to come. Uh, or at least, you know, Kevin Durant, he he may even uh, only sign a one-year deal. And if he only signs a one-year deal, uh, he'll get the max number as far as dollar amount. But if he signs one year, he can become a free agent again. So, um, you know, I think they have one more year in their window as a dynasty before things uh, start to change. 
um, you know, with the Golden State Warriors. But, hey, they better ride it while they can. Three out of four is an outstanding accomplishment. Already there's rumors out there, you know, about the money issues um, with Draymond, you know, saying that he took a $12 million pay cut so they could fit Durant under. And, you, you know, he ain't going to take any more pay cuts. Uh, Clay, who doesn't say anything about anything, uh, is going into the last year of his deal. And there's talk about, you know, a Golden State, you know, kind of shaking it up. You know, there's an Anthony Davis rumors out there for them and for Boston. Um, you know, it's, it, yeah, the NBA is just not set up for that. Uh, so, yeah, for the fact that they were able to get three out of four, um, that's good. They'll go into, obviously, into next season as uh, probably a fairly heavy favorite, depending upon, I guess, what happens in free agency. But, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they fill in the pieces around because that's really the thing for Golden State. Their starters are fine. It's filling in the pieces there. You know, I don't think Swaggy P is going to make it back and probably David West of the world and JaVale McGee's. You know, those pieces become interchangeable at certain things, but you also want to keep some continuity in the system. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what not necessarily superstar, but a kind of former superstar or former really good player wants to go chase that ring and, you know, go play 15 to 18 minutes for Golden State off the bench. Oh, there's no question there's going to be some additions made and some subtractions, as you mentioned. Um, you know, even Sean Levingston is, you know, he's getting up there in age. You know, we, we know he had multiple knee surgeries, and he's definitely wearing down. Uh, Iguodala, who knows what his future may be. David West, we know he's probably ready to hang him up. Uh, yeah, Swaggy P, uh, he may hang around on a on a veteran minimum, but, you know, he would be just that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's some, some changes to be made. But, again, you still have the core for at least one more year uh, unless you make, make a trade uh, of a Clay Thompson because we know he's coming up on his contract year. Uh, but, you know, probably at least for one more year you'll have this Golden State core unit. Uh, so I think they'll make a run to try to get that fourth title, and then we'll see some changes made in the Bay Area. Uh, and it's headed all the way back uh, to the other side of the country, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. You have, I mean, really just waiting on what's going to happen with LeBron. I guess he has to make his decision by June 29th if he's going to opt into his, because he has the player option for uh, next season. Uh, there's rumors everywhere and everywhere. You know, even at, as soon as the game was over, there was tampering, you know, from uh, NBA players talking about, you know, Joel Embiid, like, come and complete the process. And Philly, you know, just even Sacramento King players were tweeting at LeBron, you know, to come out there. I'm pretty sure we can scratch them off the list. But um, there are some teams out there that there's a potential that he may go to or if he may stay in Cleveland. We'll just kind of go through a few of them there. Look broadly first. Do you think he stays in the East or does he head out west? Uh, well, he's definitely going to opt out. You know, he's definitely we, – we do know that he's going to opt out. There's pretty much no question about that to enter free agency. Um, I think that he – uh, will I think he will stay in the East. I think he will stay in the East. Um, you know, you have that juggernaut in Golden State out West. You know, Houston uh, is a, a juggernaut in training. Uh, so if you don't go to either one of those teams, you know you would have to face one of those teams, you know, sometime in the uh, Western Conference playoffs. Um, I don't think that's, you know, 
if I were LeBron, that's not something I would want to do. If I want to play him, I want to play him in the finals. So uh, I don't think he'll uh, venture west. Um, you know, if if he definitely does travel, he will stay in the east. So the east options um, would be Cleveland. Philadelphia. Uh, well, you know, I was going to save that one to last. But, okay, my uh, bad. I know. I just Philadelphia is is a, a often talked about option uh, to, as you mentioned, complete the process. You know, you know, uh, the the young bucks, the young studs of of Embiid and Simmons, um, even maybe uh, Markel folks if he gets things together. Uh, you know, those guys, if they had a or any team that has LeBron, uh, is legitimate uh, championship team. You know, they're already a legitimate uh, juggernaut in training in the East. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you add a LeBron to that mix, you know, we got to figure out, you know, how things are going to be handled as far as the ball. Is Simmons going to improve his shot, which you hope he will over the summer? Um, you know, will they re-sign J.J. Redick? Those types of things. But uh, Philly is definitely a possible landing point. People have mentioned Boston reaching out. I don't see that as even an option personally. A, Kyrie, I mean, would not go for it. I mean, he tried to get away from LeBron. Why would he want to bring LeBron back to that? And if you do, you got to trade uh, at least two pieces. So Jalen Brown would be out. Uh, we know Marcus Smart is already on a contract year and probably a couple others. So I definitely don't see that happening. Uh, but it has been mentioned I think somebody uh, that has not been mentioned going back to Miami. Why not mm. go back to Miami? Um, you know, they're a, a young team with some some potential. You know, they're not quite there, but, of course, a person like LeBron takes you there. It makes you an immediate, um, you know, uh, strength in the East for sure, and we know uh, Pat Riley would add a piece or two to go with what he has, and then you got a, another uh, another strong team in Miami. So I think that's another possible team in the East. Um, I would love to see him go to New York personally. I would love to uh, match him up with Porzingis to play with the Knicks. If he's going to go somewhere in the East, I would like to see him go there. But personally, I think he'll stay in Cleveland and pieces will be brought to him uh, in Cleveland. So he stays in Cleveland, and I expect someone such as uh, Anthony Davis that I mentioned in the first program. Yeah, you did. Either Anthony Davis or a Kawhi Leonard or even a DeMarcus Cousins, depending on how he recovers from his injury, somebody of that ilk or a combination of of them coming to Cleveland to join LeBron uh, to make another run. So I think he'll stay, and I think pieces will be added to LeBron in Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, I don't uh, – everybody keeps talking about him going west. and that, You said about Houston and Golden State again, but think about the teams that you're going to have to play on the night-to-night basis too that are tougher teams for he's going to be, what, 33, 34 going into the season next year. I mean, those games going to Portland aren't going to be easy. Going to Houston ain't going to be easy. Going to Utah, I mean, 
there's not going to be those nights off of playing against, you know, the lesser Rams in the East. And I think, you know, I think that would probably put more wear and tear on his body. I mean, think about it in a situation, depending on where you go through, you might have to go through Houston and Golden State just to make the NBA final. That just doesn't make any sense for a 33, 34-year-old player, no matter how well he takes care of his body. So I think he stays East as well. Uh, I mentioned Miami as a possible option. I mean, I think I have no salary cap space. Uh, Pat Riley would have to get crazy creative getting rid of the Hassan Whitesides of the world and some of the other bad contracts that they signed last year uh, to reach the, the salary floor. Um, but I could definitely see that. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to stay in Cleveland. He'll probably sign a one-year deal or a two-year deal with you know his ability to sign out, you know, to opt out again uh, after next season. And yeah, try to find some pieces, you know, and, and you know, see what you got there or what you can get rid of. You know, I think Kevin Love, you've seen the best of him. He needs to go, and you know, and try to maybe find some younger pieces to to match around. You know, the George Hills of the world. You know, maybe start to move them on a little bit as well. You know, they moved out all the old people, but they might need a little bit more experience uh, in certain spots, just not as much experience as George Hill had, you know, just to try to fill out with those mid-level exceptions. And they have the eighth draft kit coming up in the draft that they got from their trade, uh, uh, from the from the Kyrie trade. So, you know, they, they got an opt, you know, they got a chance to get a fairly decent player at eight, depending on what they do, or they can take that eighth pick and trade it to a team, you know, for a veteran, you know, to help them make a run. So I, I think he stays in Cleveland too. I don't think he's going to go through that whole process again. Um, but LeBron is LeBron, and you never really know what he's thinking. Um, you know, he made all mentions in those press conferences about wanting to have smarter players on his team. Um, I would imagine J.R. Smith does not make the Cavs next season. I think I saw a moving truck at J.R. Smith residence uh, <laughs> already preparing to move him. They didn't know where yet, but uh, they know it's time for him to go. Um, you know, he's taking a lot of blame, and uh, rightfully so, of course, but, um, yeah, he's definitely going to be a, a casualty um, due to his game one blunder. Because, again, hey, after game one, that could have been a whole different series. Um, and LeBron would not have had an injured hand had it not Correct. Uh, in for LeBron. But speaking of going west, the only place I could see him go west, if he goes west, to me would be to play with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. Yeah. If you think about LeBron and his 15 years in the NBA, he has never played for the quote-unquote great coach, never in his career, never played for the great coach. And if you talk about Jordan, if you talk about uh, Shaq, if you talk about Kobe, they've all played for the great coach. And even Shaq played for Riley and you know, Phil mm -hmm. Jackson. So, uh, you know, so that would be a chance to play for the quote-unquote great coach in Popovich and play with Kawhi Leonard because, of course, if LeBron comes, you know, Kawhi stays. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and even, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, if he were to stay around too. So uh, I think uh, if he goes anywhere west, I mean, that would be the destination uh, that he might be headed. But, again, I anticipate him staying in the east. Yeah, and uh, I had thought about that with the Spurs as well. I do not see him going to the Lakers. I know that's the big rumor out there or whatever. 
and not even from a sense of like, oh, you know, it's a basketball sense. They'd have to make some changes there because really they don't have shooters. And playing with LeBron is that you need a bunch of people that can hit corner threes, and they don't really yeah, have anybody yeah. on that roster at this point that can do that. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Lots of work, yeah, would be half would have to be done for him to be a Laker. Um, you know, everybody's talking about Paul George will definitely uh, likely be headed to L.A., and that would be uh, someone to pair up with. But it's going to be way more than that needed uh, in uh, Lakerland. You know, even, um, you know, Lonzo Ball, where does he fall into that mix? He's almost a forgotten player if you bring LeBron and Paul George in. Lonzo was supposed to be the quote-unquote new face, uh, according to Magic Johnson, of the franchise. But if you bring in LeBron and Paul George, you know, that that knocks uh, Lonzo way down. And you know LeVar is not going to stand for that. Uh, So that would be uh, interesting, to say the least. From a media standpoint, that would be awesome. But I don't think it would be uh, what the Lakers really need. So, yeah, I don't even see that as a mix. A lot of talk in Houston of him joining Harden and Paul, but again, for that to happen, the rest of the team pretty much has to disappear. You know, you mm-hmm. have those three, you'll keep Capella, and uh, the rest of the team you got to put together with a, a couple of ball boys and uh, cheerleaders. So, <laughs> um, so that would be very, very difficult to do, but. You know these these multi-billionaire owners uh, are are creative with their money, so you, know, you can never say never. So some things will definitely uh, surprise us in the near future. But you mentioned that eighth pick. You know if that eighth pick could end up being Michael Carter Jr. out of Missouri, you know mm-hmm. he had the injury issues. But if he were to fall to number eight and is clear healthy. LeBron will stay in Cleveland. You can write that one down. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think he stays too. Uh, I, I feel fairly confident about that. All right. Dang. Thanks. Seventeen days for four games. Thank you, NBA and ABC. Uh, I'm still not over that. That just <laughs> that's one of the things that sticks in my crawl. Wherever my crawl is, it's sticking in there. Uh, the fact that we had to wait that many days for this, that few games. All right. So we get to the last part of the podcast, which is best player ever as we start to wrap up. We're down to our last three teams. Um, we might have a debate on one of them. Uh, I think the other two are fairly fairly simple. Uh, first up off the bat, best player ever is for, oh, gosh, who did I have on there? Oh, the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, it's so funny because yesterday I was watching, uh, was it Sports Nation, maybe – um, maybe it was Sports Nation, you know, and we're watching it, and uh, uh, what's his name, Bill, uh, Bill Walton. Uh, yeah, Bill Walton. Thank you. Bill Walton was on the show. I'm not sure really why he was on. It was it was on, but I wasn't listening to the sound. And my son is like, hey, you know, whatever. I was like, actually, he was a very good player before he got injured. A, a generational type player, you know, wins a championship out there. Uh, with Dr. Jack Ramsey, uh, and then goes and gets a couple of championships with the Celtics as a role player, really just a tile waiver. Um, but he's probably not who you have as your best Portland Trailblazer. Absolutely not. Uh, Bill Walton is probably a name that comes to mind. Uh, you know, definitely one of the best college players of all time at UCLA. 
but because of injury, never got to show what uh, people thought Bill Walton could be. You know, only played four seasons in Portland, and really only of those four, one was a full season, always had some type of injury. Um, so, yeah, he definitely uh, would not be the best trailblazer in history. Some other names to throw out, Rashi Wallace, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey, some names to throw out. Uh, you know, even Arvita Sabonis for a short moment, if you want to throw that in. But the number one player, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, has to be Clyde the Clyde Drexler, uh, you know, as he is the uh, franchise leader in games, points, steals. Um, you know, he was uh, a talent coming out of five fi slamma jamma. You know, a lot of people wanted to probably say Sam Bowie. Uh, Come but on. No. And didn't live up to what, you know, he was uh, supposed to be. And, of course, we know Portland had an opportunity to draft Michael Jordan, but they passed uh, because they already had Clyde Drexler. So, um, you know, so that's uh, something uh, that they will regret for 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 years. Years. Uh, for, for years and years and years, even though uh, Jordan has finished playing a long time ago. So. Uh, Clyde Drexler, I don't think is any doubt the number one player in Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about that one. Uh, he gets them to an NBA Finals, uh, the '92. Uh, they fall subject to the Jordan era and rules. Um, and a competitive series, actually, from the start. But that's also the game where Jordan couldn't miss three pointers. You know, the shoulder shrug game, and that pretty much, you know, kind of put it on a on a path uh, for the Bulls to win their their back to back title. Um, yeah, just. Uh, great play. They, and that's a solid team. Again, that team that they took to the finals with Terry Porter and Jerome Kersey and what, Cliff, uh, Cliff Robertson was on that team. Cliff Robinson. That's a solid team, man. Uh, yeah, they just, they, you know, I mean, just failed to Jordan. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, they just uh, couldn't quite get over the hump. They were a solid team. You know, they didn't make it to the finals. But in that era, they were – a very good team, um, you know, for, for several years, uh, but just couldn't quite get over the hump and, you know, again, made it to the finals, but, you know, ran into Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, and don't, actually, they get to the finals twice because they lose to the Pistons on their back-to-back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were uh, a, a solid team, definitely a, yep. a solid team. Dang, that stinks. All right. Yeah, Clyde gets his ring in Houston. uh Reteaming up with um, with Akeem. All right, next team up. This is where we're gonna have the debate. The Sacramento Kings uh, definitely have not won a championship. <laughs> yeah. uh, literally the dregs of the NBA again, uh, which is kind of funny because they're kind of they went through a period where they were terrible for a very long time, and then they had a little bit of a run where they probably should have made the NBA Finals, which I'm sure we're gonna talk about, and then is back to the uh to the awfulness that they are back to the awfulness, yeah. yeah historians so. historians will say that the greatest player in uh the king's history uh will be Oscar Robertson because yeah. because you know the royals were what is now the kings but we're not counting that so as far as Sacramento kings probably the names that come to mind would be maybe even a Wayman Tisdale uh you could throw out a a, a Mike Bibby, uh, if you even want to go Peja Stojakovic. But uh, probably the two names to me that are the uh, 
uh, two to talk about are Chris Weber and Mitch Richmond, uh, probably the two best Sacramento Kings. And I am going, you know, Chris Weber, uh, you know, took them to that place. He made uh, he made Sacramento re- relevant in the NBA mm-hmm. because, as you mentioned, they were a doormat for several years. Um, you know, where he brought them to a point with Stoyakovic, with Bibby, with Divac, where they were uh, seconds away uh, almost from the NBA Finals, you know, and that would have been something uh, that NBC at the time would have been like, oh, my goodness, we got Sacramento in the Finals. What are we going to do? But uh, (laughs) we know know the Lakers uh, took care of that. Um, You know, Mitch Richmond, for a stretch there, he was probably – uh, other than Jordan, might have been the second best two guard uh, in the NBA, where he was mm-hmm. a dominant player for not a great team. So mm-hmm. those two names, you know, Mitch Richmond averaged 25 a game, you know, for mm-hmm. his uh, for his time in Sacramento. But I'm going to have to lean towards Chris Webber for his mm-hmm. six years in Sacramento, averaging about 24 a game and about. Ten and a half boards. He made, like we said, Sacramento relevant. Uh, for that reason alone, I'm going to say Chris Weber, the best Sacramento King of all time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're not in disagreement there. I thought you were going to go with Mitch Richmond. Yeah. Mike Bibby should be high on that list too because he um, he made that team work. Uh, you know, whereas Weber made everybody better. Uh, Bibby was the leader also on that team. Uh, so. I know he gets run a little bit for his later years on the Heat and some other teams where he was chasing the championship with the Hawks as well. But, um, like, yeah. So, okay. No, we're good. Uh, yeah, the Sacramento got completely screwed out of that game. <laughs> they screwed themselves, too. But they definitely got screwed in that game seven against uh, the Lakers. Uh, it is what it is. And, essentially, they never recovered from that, actually. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, they never made it beginning. back. That was the beginning of the end uh, of the franchise, or at least the relevancy of the franchise. You know, I wanted to say Mitch Richmond, you know, for seven years, like I said, he was a dominant player. Uh, but, you know, in a, on in that era, he was he was a a great player, but as we mentioned, on a on a on a poor team, you know. We know his uh better uh was with the uh, run TMC crew in Golden State after he left uh, Sacramento where he was on a better team. So, uh, But, yeah, Mitch Richmond, definitely a great honorable mention. Yeah, all right. So now, lastly, it's the Washington Bullets slash Wizards. Uh, you said you wanted to break it into two individual categories. For the Look, I mean, come on, man. Like, they have a championship. Wes Unseld is the greatest player ever to play for that franchise. Yeah, but Wes Unseld for sure, but it's hard to say Wes Unseld without saying Elvin Hayes because they were kind of together. They went together. They made the team what it was in the late 70s. They won the championship, you know, for the Bulls and, you know, almost had two championships. So, um, you know, it's hard to split the two, you know, uh, Elvin Hayes was the leading scorer, but Wes Unsell was right there. Wes Unsell was the leading rebounder, but Elvin Hayes was right there. So, you know, they, to me, I can't split them. So I'm going to say they are the best Washington Bullets uh, in uh, their team history. But now we know the Washington Wizards and, uh, you know, their history uh, much shorter 
But uh, I'm just going to throw out a couple of names. Michael Jordan uh, for a couple of years. Come on, uh, man. <laughs> with the Wizards. Uh, but, no, uh, seriously, you know, you got to give John Wall, you know, for the time that he's been there, he's definitely uh, been uh, an, an all-star talent, uh, multiple years all-NBA uh, performer as well. But, in my opinion, the best player in Washington Wizard history is Agent Zero, the Hibachi uh, Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas was uh, for a stretch, for a stretch from 2004 to I believe 2007, uh, probably one of the best guards in the league. You know, even averaging 29 a game uh, for one year, three times All NBA. Uh, Gilbert Arenas uh, was a great team. He uh, sort of like Toronto took his team, but could never get past LeBron. You know, in the playoffs. So. Um, you know, Gilbert Arenas, in my opinion, the best player in Washington Wizard history, soon to be eclipsed by John Wall. He's so unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a, such an unlikable character, person. Uh, it's just hard for me to give Gilbert any props anything. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to take John Wall just because, you know, he's an ascending like, type talent. Might have to be a point where he's going to be as good as we're going to get with John Wall. Like, I don't know if there's another level for him to go through. And I keep thinking he's going to take that. There's another step for him, but I don't know that there is. Um, but yeah, okay, I'll take it. I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> to it <laughs> I can't do it. Nice. I can't do it. Uh, yeah. And it's so funny. Like he went from, I mean, I know it was an injury or whatever, but he went from, like, a max contract to whatever that was to, I mean, being out of the league, like, in three years. It was amazing. Uh, you know, uh, after the Jafar yeah. season thing, then the injury. That was the, 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 the Crittenden gun thing and then the injury kind of all put things down the drain for Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. But Stupid question, yeah. Definitely, he definitely had a stretch there where he was, he was a dominant scorer. He could score... At any moment, at any time, uh, Gilbert Arenas was a, a great player for a nice stretch in Wizards history. Mm. All right. All right, so that wraps up uh, last night in the association, this week in the association for the season, man. We wound up, the total wound up being 32 podcasts uh, over the course of the season. That's a lot. Uh, wow. We tried to get that y'all, I know, we tried to get it y'all for a time there every other week, weekly, every other week, and then for the finals or for the playoffs much more uh, frequently. So, yeah, 32 podcasts. We'll put them all together in one entire season and go back and look, listen to them all the way through and see how our predictions held up over the course. Uh, we'll probably come back together for, a, like, a, an ad, a, an addition, you know, once, once the draft happens, uh, and probably free agency. We'll probably kind of retouch on that, especially really just about what happened with LeBron and, uh, all the pieces that will fall com- coming from that or after that. Uh, but, yeah, just a um, yeah, long, long, long season, man. Uh, yeah. A lot of fun, though. A lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great season. I thank you for pitching the idea to me. It was outstanding, a lot of fun uh, to talk about the NBA. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, as you mentioned, the draft and free agency. And, uh, hey, doing it again next year. 
No, no doubt. Yeah, well, like I said, one of your many talents, sir, is your knowledge of all sports knowledge. I was like, hey, I'm uh, getting into the summer and pitching for the, the uh, Indy 500 podcast or uh, the uh, <laughs> Daytona Beach hey. podcast, you know. <laughs> World Cup is starting today. Watch out. <laughs> Amar in Brazil. Watch out. That's right. And uh, Tiger tees off what time sometime today as well. As the 130, US baby. 130. Yes. Tiger Woods. It off. I saw Jordan uh, Speed put up a triple uh, earlier this morning. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness gracious, this is uh, an attrition, a war of attrition at U.S. Open. So, yeah. But, all right. So, Wu takes us out, man. The Wu Tang Clan takes us out again. It's been a triumph over the course of this uh, uh, podcasting season, man. So, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate all the listens. Uh, again, we'll be able to find this podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, um, all of those. Just put in Brothers Comics. You'll be able to find all of our podcasts on the network. So, yeah, check them all out, man. Hey, man, tell them where they can find you in the offseason. Hey, find me at Will Stacks on Instagram. That's at Will Stacks on IG. Uh, but you can also find me at Mr. Waters 77 uh, on Twitter. You know, give me your comments, your thoughts, some things that you want us to change maybe going into the next year. But uh, it's been an outstanding year. And again, thank you to all the listeners for all your uh, comments. And it's been an outstanding year. All right. So as the Wu takes us out, man, all right, we'll see you on the other side. Uh, I think we'll get to the draft before we get to LeBron. Yeah, the draft uh, June 21st coming up quickly, and then uh, LeBron will make his decision, first decision, we'll say, on the 29th, but decisions to come uh, shortly thereafter. So, uh, yes, like like a lot of people think LeBron is in Cleveland, Jack <laughs> is out. Peace. We'll see you guys on the other side. Peace.